Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset. It's Sam Bruce and Christy Doran back again to take you through another weekend of Super Rugby Pacific and everything else that's happening in the rugby world in this corner of the world. Uh, Christy, uh, you've had a busy few days, mate. Uh, how are you going? Doing very well, matter of fact. Surprisingly, after a, a wedding on, on a Monday evening. Who has a, a wedding on a Monday? But it was fabulous. Uh, before that, big weekend of rugby, obviously. Um, so... Um, a couple of interesting kind of moments, takeaways. You look at the Waratahs and the Brumbies, there was some glimpses there from both sides, particularly I think you know, the Waratahs' last 20 minutes was great, but still they're, they're very much a work, work in progress there, aren't they? Um, the Reds, they finished over the top. So the two you know, sides that we thought would be up towards the top, challenging for semi-final positions against New Zealand opposition, they're the ones that have found it and they're hitting their straps, what, two, three weekends into the competition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brumbies uh, put the squeeze on the Waratahs in that first half. They really know how to uh, get down and, and take points when they're on offer and and uh, capitalise on their point scoring opportunities. Uh, but let's start in Perth with the Reds force, mate. Um, uh, force uh, 20, oh, missed the score here anyway. Uh, Reds coming home. And, uh, and dominating that second half um, quite considerably in the end. Uh, some real uh, clutch uh, rugby when it counted. And, of course, James O'Connor laying on uh, two beautiful tries there in the second half really proved the difference. But this is a huge win for the Reds, given what had been happening in Queensland through the week, um, having to travel, um, having, sorry, delayed travel uh, there on the Thursday and the Friday, um, losing a third skipper for the year in Luke Hand. Salakai Loto after about five minutes to, to come through that game and win as well as they did um, was really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. 29-16, they, they run over the top. And with 15, 20 minutes to go off the back of the Hunter Paisami yellow card, you thought, oh, okay, here we are. Force have a real big opportunity to do what we had been saying a couple of like, weeks earlier, which is really just show their progression. But, you know, that, that once again shows a young side, a developing side, against a well-oiled machine, which the Reds clearly are at the moment. You know, that, that, that is the difference between top teams is when you lose two or three people, does the performance drop away considerably? And do you, um, does the leadership drop away considerably? But no, we're seeing at the moment the Reds, they've got a, a really um, strong uh, depth, their roster, um, stability of coaching structures. Um, and it's really interesting that James O'Connor hasn't taken up the captaincy yet. And speaking to a couple of people around the Reds uh, a few weeks ago, um, it, I, I posed the question, oh, it seems like James O'Connor doesn't want to be captain. Is, is that what's occurred? And, and they said, yeah, very much. Like He wants to, you know, slide through the background. Um, probably maybe was even a reluctant captain last year. Didn't necessarily think he wanted to, apparently. Um that he is providing and, and being the perfect foil. It would have been a terribly frustrating year for him last year with the Wallabies tour because he somehow goes from being first choice 10 to second and then third choice and, and then back to second and then first. But he's not got any minutes behind him um, when he does wear that 10 jersey for the Wallabies at the end of the year. So that, you know, some great touches there at the end, showed his leadership, really stepped up when a few of these youngsters like Rajan Pasatoa, like Ben Donaldson are starting to come through and put a bit of pressure and heat on that on that 10 position. But that is a really important win for the Reds, given the injuries and given what they had experienced in, in, in the week leading up to that, not being able to train at, at Ballymore, which was completely flooded. 
Yeah, I think he's forgotten Reed O'Connor back there in, in 2020. He was the guy who started that uh, that test, that first test after the onset of the pandemic there, that dramatic 16-all draw in Wellington. Um, Lifetime now. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, and has barely been cited in the 10 jersey again since. Uh, picked up an injury later in that Bledisloe series. Um, of course, missed all three tests with France last year. Rugby Championship, of course, uh, Noel Alessio starts. Quaid comes in. And, uh, and then James appears again um, on the spring tour. So there was a really, really decent gap there between his appearances in the test jersey. You mentioned the, the captaincy last year, not wanting that. Um, I just think it gives him the opportunity to do a bit of extra goal kicking, to do those little bit of extras after training that you can't probably do when you are captain because you have other commitments to get to. You've got to get to functions and media and, and everything else and autograph signings, whereas you perhaps... At James O'Connor, you might only have to do that once out of every five occasions, whereas the captain, you're expected to be there just about every time. So I think, boost. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, it's probably a selfish decision, but in addition to that, it's to try to get his body right, I would think, Absolutely. as well. Yeah. What, um, what about the force then, Christy? How much of a wake-up call for them was this game? Of course, uh, probably really impressive against the Brumbies first up, albeit against the Brumbies side that started really slowly, had... Big issues at set piece and, and really only got out of jail at the finish. They were really good in Melbourne, but I think that performance has probably been taken down a couple of pegs given what we've seen from the Rebels through three games now. Um, where are the force at? Are they legitimately a team that's going to be in this scrap for that eighth, seventh and eighth position in the finals? Well, it's probably two things. The, the first decision that I was a bit surprised at was that Isaac Fines started at nine. Now, as much as I think he's a really... Um, positive, offensive play that brings a lot of spark. Do you want an inexperienced nine against a 10 who's just coming through, who's only had a couple of games, you know, in the number 10 jersey? I thought it was a surprising call. You know, you go for someone who's proven and who's match proven to, who will take the shots at goal, who will do all the one percenters because he's done that for 10 years. Um, I was surprised Ian Briar came off the bench. You know, for Isaac Fines opened up the game against the Rebels because he came on against a, a tired Ford pack with 20 minutes to go. That's the formula, I think. Um, as much as you want to reward performance, you, you can't just rush people in, just throw youngsters in there, um, particularly youngsters in the halves, two of them together. Um, a bit of a wake-up call, yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing, obviously, and you can't, you know, uh, paper over it is the fact that two of them were, were missing. You take out Andrew Reddy, and I know these bench players, um, Ralston there on the, on the wing or a back three player, those things are disruptions. It, it, you know, we, we know that Michael Checker and Eddie Jones used to use the term the finishers all the time, but you need to have that injection of, of class or quality. And Andrew Reddy is a bloke who's played five years of super rugby. Um, and to lose someone like him who's hard over the board, it's no surprise that the Reds finished over the top of the force. So uh, a couple of head scratches, I thought. Was that penalty, that uh, that suspension, if you like, or sitting out uh, last week for drinking two glasses of wine with dinner on the plane home, was that over the top, mate? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's high performance. You know, we, we're, we're hearing that uh, this was a decision made by the leadership team there and Greg Holmes put his hand up, they put their hands up. Just think, come on, guys! Like this is a side that's hardly won for you know since the injection of the club back in what 2006, wasn't it? Um, it it's a it's a off the back of a win. Um, 
it's a real surprising one. Stuck the momentum out of the wing. You know, you're feeling good through the week and, and this happens. And I, I know you want to discipline players and you want, you know, your squad to be doing the right thing, but surely they could have come up with an alternate pun, pun, sorry, pun, punishment, I'll get there, um, to, uh, to sanction these guys rather than having them miss the game and suck the life out of their good win over the Rebels on the weekend. Absolutely. On their day off, make them go to a school and spend eight hours there, whatever it might be. But um, that, that's a that's a strange one, in my opinion. Um, and, and now it's a, I think it's the, the Waratahs force this weekend, if, if, if I'm not wrong. That's a hugely important game for both teams, one and two. If you go one and three, well, I think probably it's, it's extremely hard to make your way back into a, a finals mix. Like the, the New Zealand conference is clearly very ultra competitive and you might have one or two that unfortunately, like what we've seen in the last couple of years, it's hard if you, if, that, if, if you have a bit of a fortune that goes against you, like what we saw with the Chiefs the other year where they weren't able to get those wins, um, narrow defeats, you can suddenly fall out of the, of the pecking order there. So really big match. Yeah, let's go to the uh, Waratahs-Brumbies game then on Saturday night, uh, 127-20 by the Brumbies. Um, but uh, a real strong finish. Uh, they really came home with a wet sail, the Waratahs, didn't they? Um, but they just left themselves too much to do. Um, where, If you're Darren Coleman, are you are you happy? Are you Obviously, you're not happy because you're, you're now one and two, but are you positive with where the team is headed, the direction, um, given that they have shown in patches that they play some some very good rugby. It's now about building that into that you know that complete eighty minute performance, and probably needs to start more around the, the fifty to sixty minutes to begin with because they're uh, they just can't string it together for long enough periods, can they? Yeah, it's a good question. Oh, I keep coming back to Darren Coleman wanted to be tar tough. You know that was what he wanted yep. them to be this year, resilient. Uh, the polish was always going to be lacking. I think it's like if, you, if you're painting a house, they've got like the first strip of paint on and you need another coat, you know, afterwards. Otherwise, you, you, you just lack the, the polish, the class, the final touches. That's not there. They're, they're another year or two away from that, um, obviously. Um, we're seeing glimpses of it. Um, we saw glimpses of Ben Donaldson in the last 25 minutes, you know, two opportunities to take the line to the uh, board of the line and he's done that. And he's done that very, very well indeed. They finish in tries, but in the first half, when the game is there for the taking, you know, Izzy Parisi makes a big break, gets up to the halfway line, and creates something out of nothing. Shortly after, a break, it breaks down towards the halfway line. Soon after, Charlie Gamble makes a big break, and he has Izzy Parisi on his left. Absolutely butchered that try. Absolutely butchered it. And you've got two opportunities there where you go, hmm. You know, shortly after halftime, uh, the, the Brumbies score again. Clearly, the, the big difference between the two sides was Rob Valentini. Um, He was superb. Scores, what, the first, sets up the second when, when Nick Frost barges over, but that comes off the back of the, yep. the 15 metres that Rob Valentini makes two, three phases earlier. The, the scrum was also obviously a, a point of difference between the sides. And for whatever reason it was, the, the, the Tars were collapsing and, um, referees is either spotted something or what referees do. They have interpretations and they, they build up what they think is going on and then they penalise the shit out of the opposition. And I think that's what happened. Um, yeah, so they're the two two big areas for them. But I, I think 
Jaron Coleman will be thinking there, there's a bit to work with here. And yes, we might scrape into the finals, um, but it's it's building for next year. And let's not forget that when Michael Jagger had a, a very good team back in 2013, an underperforming team, it took him and you know the second year, and it was a slow start to the second year before they became and they went on to really be humming. Uh, it took them a little while to to get their ducks in a row and and uh, sort themselves out. So uh, this is a two year, three year project, but the hallmarks of a defensively tough side, a resilient side, were there particularly in that last half an hour, which you look at the injection of uh, Luke Reimar, I think it was, who was pivotal towards the end in take, making two breakdowns. Yep. Yep. Um, Jerome Brown there at seven as well. Um, started, had a really promising 50, 55 minutes. Hopefully he stays in very free this year. But they've just got depth. And that's the real big difference between the Brumbies and even the Reds to a lesser extent and the, and the rest. Michael Hooper to come back for the Waratahs uh, in the coming weeks. Heard him on radio over the weekend saying that he's targeting the uh, return match against the Reds, which I think comes in about round six. Um, so still three weeks there. He is still struggling with a foot injury, though, um, and that seems to be taking a little bit more time to, to get over, to get right than, than what he first thought. So it might be a, a slower burn for, for Hooper on his return, but certainly going to be a a massive uh, injection when he comes in and, and starts on that at uh, at number seven. Then you shift Gamble back to the bench and bring him on, like you said there, with Jerome Brown and Rima coming on late in the contest. He's uh, it's going to be a real uh, real boost there for the Waratahs in in the coming weeks. Um, before we discuss Izzy Parisi's re-signing, Christy, just a word on the Rebels and the Drua. Um, certainly, uh, I was uh, I took the smart money. I took the Drua. At uh, $5.50, so uh, that was a great result for yours truly. Uh, I thought they were specials to win that. Um, Rebels in a big hole and, and hard to see until they start to get some troops back on the ground. Um, and uh, and Reese Hodge will return from suspension this week, but Kellaway and Leota and Barton Masili and, uh, of course, Trevor Hosea as well. It's just going to be a tough grind for them, isn't it? It's going to be a tough grind all year. And... Uh, it's great for the Fiji draw. We shouldn't underplay that, understate that. It's awesome to for a new side to get a win in the first three weeks. It's brilliant for the competition. It's brilliant for uh, the confidence of the side for someone like Nick Byrne, who's got questions written over him. Um, but yeah, you're right. The Rebels are in a hole. Um, they, they're not. It seems like they're not quite sure how they want to play the game. Their breakdown work isn't great at all. They're getting the ball turned over far too often. They're playing with no confidence. Um, and, and I think that really stems from a coaching structure that didn't have confidence in who they wanted to play at 10. You know, when you start making decisions like that in the second week, it, it really shows that, you know, you, you're tossing the coin. You've got, you don't know. Um, they need to get back, simplify their game, I think. I, I was quite impressed when in the first round, they were clearly trying to make a move away from last year when they were taking shots and goal to go for the corner. But I don't think we quite realised where the Rebels were, um, you know, in the first 20 minutes of the, of the season. You never really do. But, yeah, they're, they're going to be struggling. And, and, and hopefully they get those guys back because you need that bit of class. We'll get to it later on without the Wallabies um, of, of any side, but particularly a team like the Rebels, um, the shortcomings of Australian rugby are showing up. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough weeks to come yet for the Rebels, unfortunately. Uh, Izzy Parisi, as we mentioned, uh, extended his, uh, his stay with the Waratahs for two years. Also received a Rugby Australia top-up, which he didn't have previously. Remember, he was coming back purely because he had nowhere else to go at the start of last year after a failed stint in Rugby League. And then uh, a short stint overseas uh, with Bayonne, I think, in the top 14. Um, comes back last year, uh, really works into the season well, finishes basically as the Waratahs' best player, does his shoulder in that last game against the Chiefs and misses the entirety of the French series in the Rugby Championship, comes back, uh, gets fit for the spring tour and debuts over there and has really hit the ground running again this year. This is a big re-signing for the Waratahs, given there was reports of interest from um, the Dolphins, uh, the NRL's expansion side for next year. Um, but he clearly looks happy at home uh, with the Waratahs and, and seems to have formed a really strong bond there with uh, with Darren Coleman, of course, worked with uh, with Jason Gilmore previously at, uh, at schoolboy level. Um, what's this two questions, Christy? Uh, what does this mean for the Waratahs? And and how does he fit into this Wallabies, Wallabies jigsaw in the midfield? Because surely Samu Karebi is going to be a lock at 12. Um, he kind of comes in there with uh, with Lenny Katao, Hunter Paisami, and now Parisi as well. Um, three isn't going to go, isn't going to fit into one, but it's great depth to have for the Wallabies. I just wonder whether or not, you know, this is good for Australian rugby because you need the five super rugby sides to retain middle-tier players. I don't see Izzy Parisi as a top-tier player, um, but he is has always been very talented um, and he's now running the ball uh, with, with, with a real point of difference. Um, I don't think he makes your Wallabies starting side. I, I don't think he's probably even second choice in, in both the centre positions, but... I wonder whether or not you can find a position out on the wing for him. Um, he's always had pace. Which is uh, where he debuted off the bench last year, again, of course, against Scotland. Indeed. You could play him in the midfield if you need to bring him in. Um, I, I think Karebi, yeah, he's, he's your first choice at 12. I think you need someone with some more hands, some more creative ability um, at, at 13. Then you can tell showing that, but it might not just be him. Um so do you find him in a position where Marie Corbetti was before, before? Similar sorts of players, really strong up top, um, can bump away someone. Um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing for the Waratahs because you can build a, a back line around him, um, and that's the important thing. He would have been chased heavily. Uh, it was only a few months ago, Rugby Australia was pretty worried that he might go. Um, whether it's be NRL or overseas, he would have attracted big offers because he would have come back on on very very little coin. Um, had obviously burnt a few opportunities beforehand, and he was very open about about that last year. Yep. We spoke to him at the airport at the airport before going on the spring tour. Um, it's a it's a good success story though, and it's a success story to have a, a player that went into rugby league and then has come back. So they're, they're the promising things. Good thing for Australian rugby. Um, does he start in that Wallaby side? That'll be a question. That'll be, uh, you know, you've only got three overseas picks, and that's why I think Parisi on the wing could be quite an interesting choice. Probably puts a bit of pressure on Jordan Pattaya too on that front end too, given his run with injury and uh, and dropping down that pecking order uh, in the outside backs, and we really haven't seen him at fullback, uh, as seems to be the, the wishes of the, of the national management, but clearly not happening at the Reds uh, with Jock Campbell playing well and, and playing well back there. Um, Christy, you mentioned there the, uh, the debate around having uh, five teams in Australia and losing those middle-tier players. Now, um, it's only taken three weeks for our friends across the ditch to, uh, to stick the boot in. 
uh, of course, uh, the Sky Sport uh, breakdown show uh, is, uh, is really good viewing. Uh, if you follow, if you're keen to get a bit of uh, New Zealand uh, insights or certainly a, a closer wrap up on what's happening over there. But um, in this week's show, uh, John Kerwin and Jeff Wilson in particular, also Justin Marshall, really just absolutely ripped into Australian rugby and, um, and questioned the country's need for, for five franchises. But their points were somewhat dated given that this is hardly a a new problem of retaining talent in this country and guys like Quade Cooper and Karevi and uh, have now been overseas for, for many years. And um, it, it has re I guess, revived the, not revived the debate. Cause I think the debate has been settled in Australia that we've got to have five teams um, to, uh, to keep a healthy and, uh, and peaceful, if you like uh, Australian rugby ecosystem, cause we don't want another, Another complete uh, brouhaha as we had a few years ago when the force were axed. But um, it's how do you see their views, Chris? You're basically saying that yeah, if they can't, if we can't keep players in this country and this particularly this top line talent, that we've got to cut back to to uh, to the four teams. But on the flip side, as you mentioned, then if we were to do that, we'd whinge about the players who get lost overseas, like your Mac Hansons, and suddenly pop up playing man of the match performances in the Six Nations. Now we can't have it both ways and. Rugby Australia, rightfully, and certainly in my opinion now, um, has, uh, has stuck solid with the five teams. Uh, Hamish McLennan said he wasn't going to entertain a, a United competition with New Zealand unless we had the five teams. That's what we've got. We've just got to push on and, and hope that um, they come good uh, down the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Yeah, I was a bit surprised to, to see that debate just three weeks into the competition. Um, you know, they, they neglected... To talk about the broadcast money, you know that's what it really comes down to. Without yep. that, without having five matches, well, five six teams, you know, the third match each week, um, you, you simply don't get the money. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's 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 naive not to have thought about that, to have spoken about that, informed the public about that. Because it, it goes far beyond just a simple desire to have five teams, um, five Australian teams, obviously Fiji in this conference now too. I think the other thing you need to think about as well is a 2027 World Cup, when you're talking to people from World Rugby um, about Australia, about the direction of the game, it has to be about growing the game yep. nationwide. I think the fact that they have five teams is quite an important thing for me world rugby perspective in terms of getting those rights, which are quickly coming up two months until we'll find out. Um, but it's no surprise. We've had people for, you know, quite a long while and, and very smart people who want the best interest of the game, guys like Stephen Hoyles, who have said, oh, we just, Australia can't sustain five sides. My, my belief has always been, I, I don't think there is the enough talent at the moment to maintain that, whether or not, an influx of money from both the winning, securing the World Cup, the Lions series, the sponsorships that will come through there and private equity, whether or not that can help, I think it will help, whether or not it can help long-term, not just for the next five, 10 years, but it's the 10 to 20 year mark. That's the real big question. And that's the things that, you know, accountants and everyone else, those that are really good with numbers are going to have to work out because I wonder too whether or not Rugby Australia thought that they were going to have to pay for the Western Force um, to inject four or five million dollars into them. I just wonder whether or not that was the case a couple of years ago when the Western Force came back into Super Rugby. Um, but there's no doubt that 
Rugby Australia has felt aggrieved, um, uh, belittled by their New Zealand counterparts for this very subject, presenting it like this. Um, perhaps it's pundits uh, belittling them too. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Well, you know, it's early on in the composition as well. Injuries are a huge part, and that's why we were saying beforehand that the Rebels need those big-name players back and, and some luck. That's what Australian rugby needs as well. I, I can't imagine this um, this little uh, segment on the breakdown would have been well-received by Rugby Australia at, uh, at Moore Park, Marinos and, sorry, Andy Marinos and, and Hamish McLennan, given that this is a partnership between RA and NZR, and we know NZR are effectively the senior stakeholder. But um, it's three weeks in. Uh, we, we probably, yeah, we're going to see a, a reckoning for the Aussie sides down the way. But um, watching the Hurricanes-Highlanders game on the weekend, that was an absolute stinker. There was some comical errors in that game, and one in particular from a, a debut winger um, uh, who, uh, who spilled the simplest of, uh, of cross kicks from um, from the Hurricanes, uh, number 10. Um, it was Sorry, Highlanders, uh, Marty Banks it was, kicking across Highlanders winger, and it was oh, it was laughable, um, and you know the Blues and Chiefs had its moments. So look, I I don't you know see that they're playing fantastic rugby at this point in the season either. Now I premise that as I said by saying that um, you know I fully expect the Australian sides to struggle against Kiwi opposition. Although I do think the Reds and the Brumbies will be better last year. On the whole, probably you know if they come back, the Waratahs will be much better when Michael Hooper comes back too, and their plays that. No, there's been some good points made by some like Wayne Smith over the last couple of weeks about the fact that there's no third-tier competition, that there's no NRC. That's left some of the players 15, 20 matches short, you know, from the last two years during COVID time. The real disparity there. They'll get better. Um, uh, you know, the, 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 the Blues-Hurricanes game a week earlier was a crack of the skills there on offer were sublime. But, you know, even... You know, New Zealand wants to throw stones at Australia. They, they didn't necessarily help teams like Moana Pacifica by, you know, bringing them in with just a couple of months beforehand and allowing them no time to, to gather a squad and build a squad. So maybe look at their own backyard as well a little bit more. Yeah, a good, uh, good point around the extra games there. And I spoke with Jack Debrasini around that last week. Some really good points uh, he made on an interview on sbn.com.au if you want to go and have a look at that. Uh, Chrissy, before we wrap up this week, um, who's your most impressive Australian player then through uh, the first three rounds of the competition? Oh, for me, without a shadow of a doubt, it would be Rob Balatini. He continues to go from strength to strength. It was so impressive to see him last year um, finally step into, you know, Saturday use his body in the way that he's always been built physically. He's always looked developed, um, developed sooner than most, but he's using his, his physical prowess now to uh, an international standard week in, week out. And that consistency is just, you can't understate it. And we need to see that go right throughout the year and hopefully others continue to follow suit because the competition in the back row is now really strong across the country. There's some great back rowers. They need to look at Rob Valentini and go, what's he doing? Yeah. And, and follow him because he's setting the bar very high. What would yeah. you say? Mate, I was hoping you weren't going to say Rob because uh, he was my man as well. I just think uh, there's an old cliche we often use in sports reporting. So he's going to get better with every game he plays. But it's actually true of Rob Valentini because every time he steps out on that paddock, he seemingly plays better than the week before. It's incredible the consistency around his game, the work rate. It's just shot through the roof in the last 
uh, 12 months and we spoke about it at length on this podcast last year and, and certainly um, he's uh, he's only gone to, to new levels uh, in 2022. I'll give a shout out to Jed Holiday, Jed Holloway, sorry. I thought uh, he's been fantastic coming back from the Waratahs, playing a probably slightly different role um, to what he might have previously, a little bit more link man there and just uh, his work rate's gone up and I think he's a guy who's also really thriving in uh, the Waratahs environment under Darren Coleman like, uh, like Izzy Parisi. Yeah, I was also going to say Will Harris. I think oh, we, we, we've seen this guy, um, glimpses of him for the last two or three years, a bloke who came through with that junior Wallaby side, played alongside Harry Wilson and the Fraser McBrights, but because of injury, I've not seen nearly enough of him. But he's a guy that started now three weeks in a row. Um, he's getting better and better. Um, and, yeah, just he, he seems like he's got a very good head on his shoulders. And, and guys that have got some rugby smarts about them are really important. It can't just be all brawn. Um, you've got to you've got to be smart to play the game, Rogie. Sure do, and uh, and great to see that depth building in the back row at uh, at both eight and six. Some real options there for Dave Rennie to take into the test season later this year. Uh, all right, mate. Um, thanks again for your time as ever. Um, there's another downpour just hit Wollstonecraft here in Sydney, uh, so I'll be spending another day indoors. Uh, you stay dry, and uh, we'll talk again next week.